Children of God, our Savior is gracious and kind, full of compassion. Our Lord feeds us with justice and with truth. Our God is the one whose wonders will forever be remembered. So let us give thanks with our whole hearts this morning. Well, good morning to everyone here, gathered here this morning, and good morning to everyone gathered virtually, whether you are on YouTube or Facebook or you're dialing in in our uh, phone a sermon service. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And it is so good to be with you all here today. It's, it's so good to see actual people in the crowd, too. I mean, this is, this is great, and it's good. So thank you, thank you for coming. I have a few shout-outs that I want to give before we jump into worship here. Um, I had the opportunity this week to get my first, I, I think what I call, official Fort Street tour by our very own Loretta Stanton. And I, d- I didn't tell her I was going to say this, but if you have not gotten a Loretta Stanton tour yet, you need to sign up for one immediately because it was phenomenal and amazing. And so she was um, preparing for a wedding uh, later this year, hopefully. Uh, given the pandemic and restrictions, but I got to go around with her and this young couple that she was bringing in, hearing her talk about the church, the history of the church, and all of the wonderful people here. And and I want to say she spent more time talking about this church and the work it does in this community than she did talking about the wedding day and everything that would happen in the wedding. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I, I, I saw it as a great thing and a testimony to the work that Fort Street has done and who you all are. So thank you to Loretta for that tour and thank you for her ministry. I want to say thank you too for all of our new officers and people that have stepped up on committees. Uh, thank you for stepping up and thank you to everyone that was ordained or installed last week. We appreciate your help, and we appreciate you stepping up during this uncertain time. So thank you to everyone that has stepped up recently.
Amen. Will you pray with me? Holy One, you command all the spirits, you comfort the anxious, and you cast out the destroyers. We confess that we aren't able to do your will. We protect what we know and reject what we don't know. We admire the courageous but excuse ourselves from such risky activities, from confronting the world with your truth. We forget, O oh God, that you are with us always, even to the end of the age, and that with you and through you and by you, impossible things become possible. Forgive us, lead us, and make us new. Friends, in this moment of silence, please confess your hearts to God. Friends, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is this, that even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You are forgiven. Now go in peace and sin no more. Our scripture this morning comes to us from Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. Listen now for the word of the Lord. Jesus and his followers went into Capernaum. Immediately on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and started teaching. The people were amazed by his teaching, for he was teaching them with authority, not like the legal experts. Suddenly, there in the synagogue, a person with an evil spirit screamed, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One from God. Silence, Jesus said, speaking harshly to the demon. Come out of him. The unclean spirit shook him and screamed. Then it came out. Everyone was shaken and questioned among themselves, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He even commands unclean spirits, and they obey him. And right away, the news about him spread throughout the entire region of Galilee. This is God's word to us. Thanks be to God.
Let's pray. Good and loving God, we thank you for this time together. God, we thank you for this sanctuary. God, we thank you for sacred spaces. God, I pray that whatever words you would have for us this morning, we would hear them, not what I have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus has decided that he's going to become a teacher. You remember we've talked the last couple of weeks about these sort of tough decisions that Jesus has had to make, you know. We don't always think of Jesus in this way of having to make a decision in his life, but I I really do believe that he had to think long and hard about these things. You remember when we talked about his decision to go down to the river to be baptized? I mean, he's not just choosing to be baptized, is he? He's choosing to become like John the Baptist. And you'll remember John the Baptist was uh, a criminal. John the Baptist has been arrested by this point. John the Baptist is, (laughs) he's not liked in society. And so Jesus is making these difficult decisions, and he's, he's gone through the wilderness, the trials and temptations of the wilderness. He has overcome those things. And he's gone to the seashore and called some disciples. He's found the courage to speak, and now he's found the courage to go to the synagogue. And he's going to really live into this calling. This is significant. It's no small thing that he decides to show up in the synagogue and stand up and say something. We don't really know what Jesus said, but we know it was compelling. We know that it was provocative. We know that it was upsetting in some ways. Jesus stands up and with a certain amount of authority says something. And the people who are in the crowd, you know, these are synagogue people. They're sort of like, I don't want to oversimplify, but the synagogue is sort of like a local church. It's the temple away from the temple or the temple that you go to when you don't have the temple right in your backyard. And these synagogues were much smaller, much more local, and so they would have normal or routine crowds that they drew from. And these normal routine crowds weren't unlike our local congregation, so they're filled with people who are used to the same people showing up to teach. You know, these teachers would maybe go on a a kind of circuit where they would show up and it was the same teachers over and over, and they sort of had the thing that they said, and that they preached, and then they would move on to another synagogue, and there'd be another teacher. But this Jesus who shows up, he's unfamiliar. (laughs) He certainly does not look like he belongs in a synagogue, okay? He doesn't look like he's ever stepped foot in a synagogue, maybe. The way he's dressed, the way he smells, his disciples definitely don't look like they belong there. And yet, here he comes, walking in and then standing before the crowd and beginning to teach something provocative, something that catches 
their attention. Some of them were provoked in a way that made them hate Jesus because they didn't like how he was saying what he was saying, right? Here's this new teacher that comes in, and he's kind of young. He's 33, maybe. And he's got something to say. And he hasn't gone through the normal way that, you know, teachers are raised up. He hasn't been through the temple. He hasn't gone, you know, followed the right steps. He's not doing the things the way that you're supposed to do them. And yet he's going to stand up and say something to those who actually do have that authority, those who have gone the way that they're supposed to go, those that teach regularly. Well, these people, they didn't like him. He's not playing by the rules. But other people, other people were curious, interested, Because he's not speaking the same way that the legal experts speak. He doesn't teach the same way that the scribes teach. This Jesus, he doesn't get up there and have to say something. Jesus stands up and he's got something to say. He has conviction. He has authority. And whatever Jesus said, and you could let your mind run wild with that, and if you have ideas on maybe what Jesus said, you know, send me your ideas, because I I thought about getting creative with this, but I thought, I kind of like the mystery of not knowing what he said, but we could also imagine. The writer of Mark leaves it to our imaginations to sort of bring the midrash in and say, well, what, what could he have said? But whatever he said, it doesn't just provoke the people in the crowd. You saw what happened, that provokes even the evil spirits, even the unclean spirits. And what we get is this sort of cosmic and divine stare-down between Jesus and the evil that he's up against. And by cosmic stare-down, I don't mean to say that Jesus and these evil spirits are on the same level. I mean, you saw what happens. Jesus sort of sends them out of the room with a single word, Silence. And poof, they're gone. So it's not that they're on the same level, but it's this divine stare-down of two opposing forces that throughout the gospel text are going to be butting heads over and over and over again. Jesus eventually will conquer these spirits, but not in the way that we normally think. Now, I I think what we've done with this text for centuries, if not millennia, is that we've we've read this and we we see the term evil spirit, or we, we see the term demon, we see unclean spirit, and we immediately take the text literally. And we say to ourselves, oh, yeah, there, there are these other, what do we say in Scripture, the powers and principalities controlling the world, right? There are spirits that are around us that we can't see. There are worlds around us that we cannot see. Now, I'm not here to say that that is not true, but I do want to say that that is one reading. That is one way to interpret this text. Now, another way that we can 
think about this text is that when Jesus stands up in that synagogue and he goes to preach and he has not necessarily been given the authority by the people that have authority. He has not been given power by people in power. When he stands up to teach, when he stands up and has something to say with conviction, it provokes in the people that do have power, it provokes a kind of unclean spirit out of them. Do you hear what I'm saying? It provokes a kind of evil spirit that comes up in them and makes them think, oh, what makes him think he can say that? What makes him think that he can come into this synagogue where I come every single week, where my grandmother came every single week of her life? What makes him think that he can come here and teach those things? The Spirit arises out of the people, and it's eventually what will compel them to chase Jesus down and kill him. This is another kind of an unclean spirit. And we don't just see it in the gospel text, do we? This is all around us. What happened to Martin Luther King Jr., who stood up before America and had something to say, something that carried authority, something that carried weight, something that was so true that we didn't want it to be true, right? What happened? Yeah, Henry. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Thank you for that, Henry. Yes, Henry's telling us that Martin Luther King Jr., was a great man who stood up and he was murdered for what he said. That's exactly right, and I'm glad that our education system is doing such a great job with our children. Yes, Martin Luther King Jr. stands up with authority and says something that is true and so true and so powerful that it actually gets him taken out. The same thing happens with Malcolm X. The same thing happened recently to Colin Kaepernick, and God forbid that he uh, gets murdered for this, but you saw what happened when Colin Kaepernick, he really didn't even have that much to say, right? He just took a knee, and he provoked the evil spirit of the NFL and all the NFL's fans that were against his movement. He provoked this evil spirit out of them. And what happened? He goes from being in starting NFL QB in the Super Bowl, on the biggest stage, to he doesn't have a job anymore. This happened to Gandhi in India. And there are probably some of you that are listening or watching that are thinking of others in your mind right now, and I want to say yes. These unclean spirits are provoked when someone stands up with authority and something to say that goes against the status quo that goes against the traditional authorities. But again, this is not the only kind of spirit that is provoked. You saw at the end of the text, right, that 
as soon as Jesus had dispelled the spirit and said, silence, get out of him, get out of here, you're not welcome here. As soon as Jesus does this, what happens? The people, the people are like, oh my, oh my goodness, who, who is this that has this power and authority? And some of them just begin telling their friends and their family and really anyone who will listen, you will not believe what I heard and saw in the synagogue today in Capernaum. You, you'll never, ever believe it. And then suddenly his fame, it says, spreads throughout the entire region of Galilee. So on the one hand, Jesus is provoking a kind of unclean and evil spirit in the people. And on the other hand, Jesus is provoking a curiosity, a wonder, an appetite for what is true and right and spiritual. So the question for us this morning is this. What is Jesus provoking in you? Because I, I don't care about your religious background. I think if you, if you read the text and you know anything about the life of Jesus, some kind of response has to come out of you. It might be empathy for someone that was wronged by the state. It might be antipathy for someone that didn't really follow the rules the way they were supposed to. It might be apathy because you just don't really care about stories like this. It might be a sense of wonder like the disciples. Whatever it is, I think the life of Jesus requires some kind of response. And so what is Jesus provoking in you? Is it wonder? Is it curiosity? Is it passion for justice and truth? Or does he upset you? Does he make you feel a little too uncomfortable? What is Jesus? provoking in you? I think if you can answer that question, the course of your life might be changed forever. Let's pray. Good and loving God, thank you for your son and thank you for his life. God, I pray that you would help us answer the question what your son is provoking in us so that we might lead more faithful lives and follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.
please join me in our prayers of the people in the Lord's Prayer. And as always, I know we have a, a lot of different people from different religious backgrounds, but when we get to the Lord's Prayer, um, you know, we're going to say debts here because that's what this church does and that's been the tradition. But if you say sins, say sins. If you say trespasses, say trespasses. If you've got a totally different word that I don't even know about, use that word. There is no wrong way to pray. Let's pray. Oh God, we pray for the needs of the world, saying, Hear us, O Lord, your mercy is great. For the healing of the earth and all its creatures, we pray, Hear us, O God, your mercy is great. For the church's willingness to cast out demons in its midst, for congregations in turmoil, for healing between the divisions of Christians, hear us, O God, your mercy is great. For leaders of nations, for those who have great wealth, for those who have way too much power, for those who have heaped up missiles and guns, and for those who have nothing, hear us, O God, your mercy is great. For victims of idolatry, for children who are alone and hungry, for parents without the means to provide, for peacemakers and diplomats, for lawmakers and advocates of just policies, hear us, O oh God, your mercy is great. For everyone in pain and in need, for Alan, Shelley, the Turners, the Marshals, the Poissons, and all those that have gone unnamed. Hear us, O God, your mercy is great. For the wisdom to hear you rightly, the power to withstand great change, the ability to give thanks for those who nourished us into this moment and place our spiritual ancestors, our teachers, pastors, rabbis, imams, and spiritual friends. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. And hear us too, O God, as we pray together as your Son taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Amen. Thank you, Dr. Dan, for the wonderful music. And um, just want to have a few announcements here before we let you all go. Um, we are still in Jesus and the Disinherited, the book by Howard Thurman that we're studying in adult education. The time has changed because we're uh, returning to a limited in-person worship service here. So it's from 9.30 to 10.30 a.m. And someone mentioned today that we didn't have that updated on the website. And just a reminder, sometimes the website updates are slow, so make sure you get our newsletter. And if you haven't signed up for that, or if you have signed up for it and it's buried in your email, uh, check your junk boxes. Uh, that will have always the most up-to-date information from us. So adult education, 9.30 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. And uh, trust me, with this crowd, we always have very lively discussions. There is never a dull moment, and uh, I mean that in the best of ways. And so uh, we invite you to join us in that. As always, you can uh, give your tithes and donations uh, online at www.fortstreet.org backslash give. And you can set that up for monthly designation, weekly, yearly, however long you would like. So that's uh, fortstreet.org backslash give. If you've already done that and you've given your pledge, thank you so, so much for your support of this church and its ministries and the work that we're doing here in Detroit. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We'll be having a Black History Month concert online February 12th at 7 p.m., and we've got some more details coming in for that, but uh, Dr. Dan has been bringing in a number of these singers, and I get to sort of like creep around this building all week and just sort of sit in the back or stand in the narthex and listen to them, and I'm telling you, this is world-class talent, and you do not want to miss this. It's been so wonderful. Um, listening to you prepare for that. I don't have to do anything, which is great, but I can't wait for the finished product. So that is February 12th at 7 p.m., and uh, we'll have more information on that coming out soon. There will be coffee hour following worship today. Uh, I will not be able to be in that. I'm going to kind of be around the building here, but I believe our very own Amy Marie Murphy will be leading that. So if you are online virtually and you want to join, um, make sure you go to our website and you can click the link to follow to coffee hour. It's also in the newsletter, and I'm sure Amy's actually dropping it in the comments of Facebook as we speak. So that is coffee hour following worship today. Friends, I believe that's all the announcements that I have. Go in peace now, knowing that God's power has been given to us, the church, for the sake of abundant life and renewal.